Hey everybody, it's Michael here, and you're listening to the Good E-Reader Radio Show. O nó da tua orelha ainda dói em mim E Cebolinha mandou avisar Quando a fliqueza chegar Muitos pãezinhos há de degustar Magali faz a cadência da situação É que essa padaria Nunca vendeu pão E tudo que é de ruim sempre cai pra cá Tem pouca gente na fronteira, então é só chegar O dinheiro vem pra confundir o amor Um santo pesado que tá sem amor Na turma do amor, picado asfalto Cascão é rei do morro, é chapa, esquenta fácil Quem tá na linha de frente não pode amarelar O sorriso inocente Das crianças de lá Quem tá na linha de frente Não pode amarelar O sorriso inocente Das crianças de lá O nó da tua orelha ainda dói em mim E Cebolinha mandou avisar quando a fleguesa chegar Muitos pãezinhos a de degustar Magali faz a cadência da situação É que essa padaria nunca vendeu pão E tudo que é de ruim sempre cai pra cá Tem pouca gente na fronteira então é só chegar O dinheiro vem pra confundir o amor Um santo pesado que tá sem andor Na turma da Mônica do asfalto Cascão é rei do morro, a chapa esquenta fácil
everybody. Welcome back to the Good E-Reader Radio Show. My name is Michael. It's May the 23rd, 2013. So this week we were at SID Display Week, and it's a conference that's devoted to screen tech and more of an emphasis, of course, on e-readers, e-ink, and e-paper displays. We saw a number of pretty cool things. Qualcomm has almost resurrected mirror cell technology and i honestly wrote this off as dead you know i've seen a ton of technology plastic logic bridgestone pixel qui and a number of other companies that have all come and went trying to enter the commercial sector for e-readers and tablets and most ducking out before they ever release anything so we saw some cool things. Miracell and Qualcomm are hyping what's known as the Internet of Things, wearable technology, things that you carry with you. So they showed off a smartphone with a Miracell display, and they also showed off a smartwatch. And we talked about some other practical applications of just wearable technology in general. We're all familiar with the upcoming Google Glasses, and there's been a ton of rumors around the Apple iWatch, but It's not really limited to just that. Think about a wearable technology to monitor heart rates for diabetics, for insulin levels. There's a a ton of things that have not really been done yet that incorporates the Internet of Things. And that's really the way that the industry is going to wearable tech. And we talked to a lot of different people there, and they said roughly around 2016, that's when we were going to see... tremendous amount of wearable tech companies uh, getting seed capital, doing commercial releases, and so on. Uh, The smartwatch by Miracell, it's commercial ready. They're just looking for people to purchase it. It looked pretty cool. You could uh, do things like Google Now. You could have apps installed on it. You can get texts, Facebook status updates. It's kind of a cool thing to reference a watch instead of pulling the smartphone out of your pocket and turning it on. Now, the Miracell smartphone is actually cool. On the front, it's full Android with a Miracell display. And on the back, you have the same sort of 2.1-inch secondary screen. So if you've ever seen pictures of the Yoda phone and split-screen phones, you kind of know where I'm coming from. And it's pretty cool because you could have the back of the phone with your Google Maps or your Twitter feed or your, again, uh, Facebook Home, Google Now, and things like that. And that's always on, and it's tremendously low power. It'll last you, like, weeks and weeks. The hyping factor behind the mirror cell technology in a phone is that it'll last six times longer than traditional LED or OLED screens. So you might honestly get a few days worth of juice out of it on a modern Android smartphone where you're watching video, you're listening to music, you're doing a lot of things that are traditionally drain batteries fairly fast. I liked it. The second thing is e-ink in general. So we stopped by the e-ink booth and we took a look at the new Sony 13.3-inch e-reader. And this is getting a lot of attention through mass media. It's a partnership between Sony and e-ink. Sony developed some proprietary technology, shared it with e-ink. They combined with their EPDs and now they have a flexible display within this. And so the e-reader itself is not bendable, but it's tremendously excellent at the PDF experience. And honestly, I get about 10 to 15 emails every single day, like clockwork from people asking me what e-reader is good for them for PDFs. 
everything from gaming guides to magazines to back issues of newspapers, airline pilots with their maps, research assistants with their very complex mathematical formulas, as well as you know text and things like that. So a 13.3-inch e-reader is the bomb, as they said pretty well maybe about 10 years ago that phrase was popular but i'm bringing it back y'all i'm bringing it back but i think that this is very good i didn't get a chance to test out what an ebook looked like on it yet but we are going back to today earlier um so later on today so you're probably listening to this around midnight pacific or late eastern time and we're going to do another review of the sony e-reader where we get it better lighting conditions because in our prior video there was a lot of lights in the e-ink booth we're going to try to get it away from all the lights and shoot it in an area where it's not really glary and reflective uh, but we'll also try to load in our own ebook on it so you can get a sense on how the traditional e-reading experience will be in conjunction with the pdf experience like they've been showing to media both in japan and now in vancouver and in a month from now uh, at various other trade shows. Uh, suffice to say, it's e-ink, it's e-paper, it's using the e-ink Pearl HD display, and e-ink told us that the Sony e-reader gets a bit of exclusive exclusivity on it. So because they helped develop the technology, this will be the first e-reader that comes out that actually uses it. That's not preventing e-ink from signing up other customers to actually use the tech, but there's an undetermined amount of time in which Sony has the exclusive rights to this new type of technology. So likely we won't see any e-readers that are using this new display until the later half of the year so like september october november again we're not too sure and they weren't telling us exactly what the time frame was but they said that all the usual suspects were interested in this so that's amazon barnes and noble kobo onyx books pocketbook and a number of other companies what this means is that you're not limited to 13.3 inches, but they said that that was just the specific cut of the paper that Sony wanted. Uh, vendors can get a 9.7-inch e-reader, a 7-inch e-reader, a 10-inch e-reader if they wanted to. Um, so there's a lot of flexibility in the PDF experience not being limited to the ones that we showed you and the ones that I'm talking about now, but it's all a matter of the cut of the paper. So it's pretty well up to the vendors that do business with e-ink on exactly what type of screen that they want. E-ink also showed off some new uh, technology that's mainly being used in uh, the commercial and retail sectors, their price tags. Uh, they've added a red pigment to the e-ink formula that's traditionally white and black, but now they have red. What this means is that a lot of brand logos will suddenly be able to be employed. Target, Macy's, uh, Kmart, a number of companies use red in their logos, but they'll be able to make the certain elements on a normal price tag very noticeable. Red captures your attention. You know, if you walk by a bunch of normal price tags and you see something that's red, it'll get your attention. And so they're really hoping to market this technology in turn of normal paper price tags. They've also developed some deep freeze type technology that will also work in freezers in the milk aisle 
um, in things that traditionally go as low as minus 25 Celsius. So they're really kind of branching off from their bread and butter market, which is e-readers. And e-ink is kind of hoping on entering the retail sector with price tags. We heard from e-ink reps that your average supermarket in a year will spend about $50,000. And that's often in bigger grocery stores. They'll spend that much a month on paper. So that's the paper that you get when you get your bill at checkout. That's the paper that the price tags are written on in the produce aisle and various deals and things like that. With the e-paper stuff, it can be updated on the fly from a server. So if you are an IT rep overseeing 10 stores uh, in your region, you can actually update them all at once instead of having to send a lowly stock boy to update everything automatically. So it's one-click updates, which is cool, but you can also set dynamic updates. So say it's raining outside. Okay, we're going to put a 10% discount on umbrellas and everything will just be updated across one store or an entire chain of stores all at once. So it's a little bit easier to manage and actually this technology did win best in show we just heard via twitter via e-ink they said that their new tech won best in show at sid so out of everything that they showed there that was it we are going to be at book expo america next week so as you're listening to this a week from today we will be in new york city We are the main media sponsors of the IDPF alongside Publishers Weekly, and that actually is getting us a lot of powers. So, for instance, we're going to be interviewing the CEO of Goodreads, Otis Chandler. We'll be interviewing best-selling author Sylvia Day, and we'll be talking to the head of Amazon eBooks at their New York uh, headquarters to talk about Amazon's strategy for digital content going forward. And uh, we're going to be having some surprise guests. So if you're a fan of digital books and technology in general when it comes to digital publishing, digital comics, and if you're not, what the hell are you doing listening to the Goody Reader Radio Show? In any case, we're really excited. It's two full days of events. We are going to hear and write up all the d- big segments. So sort of during the day, at there's three different sessions going on, and we're kind of going into the best ones available. So we'll be talking to publishers of Random House, of Kobo, of Google, Amazon, and various thought leaders, including Malcolm Gladwell and a number of other people on their takes on specific angles. So we'll, you know, one's geared towards big data. Another one is on self-publishing. Another one is, you know, um, user experience, how to facilitate the transfer of content, the future of ebook formats, HTML5, EPUB3, and beyond. So this is very cool if you're within the industry to find out virtually keeping your ear to the ground with Goody Reader. So we're really stoked for that. And of course, we will be on the main BEA floor. We're only going to really be there for about a day and a half, but we're mainly covering the IDPF because for digital, that's the stuff that matters to us. And for everything else, we'll be able to give you the definitive wrap-up. A number of our team members will actually be in New York. Mercy Pilkington is a staff writer, as well as Bridget Elverson. So the whole Goody Reader team, for the most part, will be in New York covering various segments of BEA and IDPF. So 
make sure you do check the site starting Monday of next week uh, for our expanded coverage of the concert. So we're going to do our best for the entire trade show and beyond. Uh, what else is happening in Goody Reader Land? Well, we actually were tipped from the official verified account of BlackBerry Mexico that BlackBerry 10 is actually coming to the playbook within a number of weeks. This is exciting news for people that like to sideload apps. Uh, we have a, our Goody Reader app store. I've mentioned it on occasion. And this will allow you to sideload in Instagram, Netflix, and a number of apps that are missing from BlackBerry's official store. Now that the playbook will have BB10, you'll actually be able to load that in. So it's coming in a few weeks. Obviously, it's not very clear on when that'll happen. In other news, Kobo has suspended their Google affiliate program. If you're participating in uh, linking your affiliate code to actually get some extra sales through your free ebook sites or uh, from hyping up your own works, it's going from Google affiliates over to the Rakuten link share. Kobo's was bought by Japanese-based Rakuten a few years ago, and they are suspending the Google affiliate program mainly because Google is actually closing it down within about six months. So they're uh, imploring people to make the transition now. And if you do make the transition now, you'll actually earn an extra 2% over the normal 5% commission rates. We have a, a write-up on the front page of our website, um, we, and we have sign-up links for Canada, the US, the UK, and Australia, so you can check that out. One of the big news of the day is Kindle Worlds, and this is a fanfic-type service that you can actually make money. The authors will continue to earn 35% of next sales. Really, what is what is Amazon Worlds? Well, if you've ever been interested in fan fiction, this is their fan fiction service. And authors find and publishers find that fan fiction is much akin to theft, lawsuits, and a lot of them have been um, enacted to, to halt it. But Amazon has made uh, a number of agreements with, say, Warner Brothers and a number of other big companies that... Any fan fiction that has to do with any of their IP or properties is open for business. And it's kind of cool because, you know, um, Sarah Shepard's Pretty Little Liars series is, um, you know, going to be big. Uh, E.L. James' Fifty Shades of Grey was originally fan fiction of um, that vampire series. I'm drawing a blank. Edward was a vampire. Bella... In any case, a lot of that stuff started as fan fiction, and a lot of authors get their start in writing through fan fiction, and now authors can actually monetize it uh, a bit more. That's also very cool. Um, speaking of you know ebooks and publishing, ebooks account for fifteen percent of all books sold in Canada. This is pretty well static for about the last two years, and we have you know roughly about. Ebooks, you know, account for fifteen percent. Hardcovers, twenty-four, and mass market trade paperbacks are at fifty-eight percent. Digital adoption rate, like I said, fairly static. Kobo accounts for twenty-five percent of all sales of e-readers in the Kobo in uh, the market of Canada. Apple iPad follows second. Amazon Kindle follows third. 
kind of a shaky landscape last year. Kobo was second and Amazon was first, but it looks like Kobo has retained market share due to the high availability of e-readers in Indigo Chapters, Future Shop, Best Buy, Walmart, a number of big companies are all stocking Kobo e-readers. So it has the most retail visibility in Canada. So it's not so surprising that they have uh, usurped Amazon as being you know the number one uh, one out there. The Reading Rainbow, if you're a fan of the old show that was on TV, they had an app. And we reported on the app and interviewed LeVar Burton when he launched it roughly about a year or so ago now. It was only on iOS, but now it's available on the Kindle Fire. We actually broke the news about three or four days ago that uh, Amazon had tipped on its Twitter account that there's some news coming. And so we dive deeper into it. We talked to the folks at Reading Rainbow. And yes, they have an Amazon app now available on the Kindle Fire app store. So if you have a Kindle Fire tablet, you will be able to explore the various islands, get your kids reading. It's actually pretty freaking cool. Finally, Stephen King decided to forego ebooks in his next novel. It's called Joyland, and it's only going to be available at traditional bookstores. King told the Wall Street Journal, I have no plans for a digital version, maybe at some point, but in the meantime, let people stir this, their sticks and go to an actual bookstore rather than a digital one. Ironically, Amazon was one of the first companies to start pre-orders on the on the the physical copy. So despite the fact that he wants people to go in real bookstores, a lot of people will be ordering it from eBay, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and getting the actual physical copy sent out to them. My take on it is that it's going to be the same thing as Harry Potter. Harry Potter took a long time for the physical books to make the ebook jump. It took roughly almost five to six, seven years they were some of the most pirated books of all time, and it's often the books that do not get the official ebook treatment that often become the most pirated just because of the demand. People like to read electronically, they don't go to bookstores, and in, in many cases, they buy ebooks because of the significant price decrease. Average best selling ebook, $9.99, a new hardcover, about $39.99 and up or sometimes a few dollars down. So it makes sense that if you're a voracious reader like I am, that you prefer to go digital because you actually save a lot of money. Instead of buying one book for a hardcover, you can almost buy three new eBooks, which is a very solid deal. I do think that this will encourage piracy. In the past, when people have done this, they have an ARC or they have a scan copy up either the day of release or the day before because... If it opens on the same day in the UK as the US, obviously it's available in the UK first and generally to be posted pretty quickly. Uh, some of the scan copies may suck at first, but within about a week, they'll probably get really good. I'm not advocating piracy by any means, but I mean, we all know that this is going to happen. It's, it's only human nature. Stephen King is a prolific author. He's fairly famous. I'm sure... Some of you listeners have heard of him before, have seen his crappy made-for-TV movies, seen his TV feature-length movies, and, you know, everything else in between. So, 
piracy, it's inevitably going to happen. So this has just been a quick update on what's going on in the e-reader land in the last few days. Um, so keep your browsers locked to goodyreader.com. Like I said, IDPF and BEA is some of the biggest publishing events of the year, and our whole team will be live on the scene. So you're going to have a lot of interviews with some very cool people. I mean, Goodreads has been in the news a lot since Amazon put out the press release that they bought them. So we'll speak to the man himself and actually get a heads up. Um, and again, we're pretty excited to be talking to Sylvia Day, Malcolm Gladwell, and a number of other authors on their take on digital and ebooks, something that they don't talk about. A lot of the times, they don't make themselves available too much to media, but being good e-reader has its benefits. So this is the Goody Reader Radio Show. My name is Michael, and everybody take care.